And then I was greedy that, you know, even though I was up, you know, three, four X in a matter of months, you know, I, I had no experience kind of evaluating markets and investments and that kind of thing. And so I lost, you know, all of that money and even more over the next two years of the bear market. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Hey, welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Steven. And I've got I've got somebody I go way back with. As a matter of fact, I think, what, seven minutes now? Eight minutes? Where, where are we at, Shahar? We've been talking for the last 10 minutes behind the scenes before we press record. So how in the hell are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Yeah, I feel like I know you like my own brother at this point. Um, I'm doing well. <laughs> thank you. We're like this. You know, if you're watching over video, it's <laughs> like uh, the, the fingers don't come together and now they're coming together. So Shahar Abrams, it's nice to meet you. Uh, welcome to the show. Listen, hey, this is Knucklehead Podcast. This is not Guy Raz, how I built this. This is not everything I aligned in a spreadsheet and a business plan worked out exactly the way that you anticipated podcast. If you're here to listen to uh, what somebody did right, what somebody did right over and over again, listen, I'll, I'll save you some time. Just go ahead and go find a different podcast to listen to. This is one where you're going to want to jump into some things that, you know, you've screwed up along the way. Not everybody's, not everybody's going to get this right the first time. Uh, Shahar and I were talking just a, a few minutes ago about... Um, you know, about some of the context around some of the screw ups. He was, he was talking to, or excuse me, he mentioned uh, investing. So he may jump into that here uh, at the tail end of the show. I'm sure he's going to tell you how to get in touch with him or potentially somewhere where you can go read up uh, a little bit about some of the, you know, some of the things that he's engaged in currently. So Shahar, where, where in the world are you? Are you, you here, Conus, or where are you at? Um, I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia right now. That's okay. Where I live. Fantastic. Phenomenal city. Love Atlanta. Hot Atlanta depending upon how you look at it. Um, but yeah, Atlanta, it's, raining. it's yeah. a good place. Yeah, it's exactly right. Uh, very cool. So what most people, whenever they take a, a listen to knucklehead podcast to them, essentially we started this whole process by, uh, by talking about what we screwed up along the way. I was building a sales team, you know, the HR director was, you know, messing with one of the, uh, one of the sales reps that I had at the time. And it, it really pissed me off. So I texted my wife exactly how I felt about, you know, this woman, and it turns out I was texting her instead of my wife. So we call that a knucklehead moment. And, uh, you know, as funny as it is and that, as that sounds, that's just an example of some of the things that you can screw up along the way whenever you're going after building something significant. So just real quick, uh, tell people a little bit about you. Tell people, you know, kind of what you're working on now and some context around how you navigate failure or nav- navigate some of the mistakes that you that you deal with on a daily basis. Sure. So, you know, I, I was a consultant for a long time. I, I worked in tech consulting uh, for the federal government. Um, I actually did work a little bit with the DOD, not for very long because I was that was toward the tail end before I quit uh, the beginning of this year. Uh, but I was working in blockchain technology um, and I, you know, was becoming progressively more obsessed and invested in the crypto markets and crypto assets. And when I say obsessed, I mean, you know, I, I sold everything that wasn't, you know, pretty much battened down um, over the past few years to um, invest in what I believed in, uh, what I believe will move society forward in a positive way. And also where I think we're going to see the most value creation over the next several years. So I'm wearing my decentralized T-shirt, um, one of my many crypto shirts. Um, and so, you know, my what I, you know, kind of wanted to build um, after leaving IBM is sort of an education platform to, you know, in the beginning, I really wanted to just focus on financial literacy and, you know, more 
and targeting, uh, you know, high school and college age type kids, but really anyone, because the truth is, you know, none of us learn about financial literacy in any sort of formal way. Um, and I think that, you know, I kind of honed in on that as a major problem. And I decided to kind of focus more on crypto because, you know, people were asking me a lot about crypto. You know, crypto is, you know, why I was able to quit my job and, and focus on this. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to do something where I could help, you know, the most amount of people without, you know, taking up the most amount of my time, right? Make something scalable. Let me ask you something real quick as you're as you're j- jumping into this. I don't I don't want to interrupt you. I just am fascinated by uh, the two triple letter agencies that you work with, right? DoD, IBM. Talk a little bit about how. I mean, you're talking about the the exact polar opposite from a decentralized standpoint or crypto mm-hmm. versus those large institutions. So, talk real quick about you know what you did over at uh, at IBM before you jumped over to consulting on the DoD side. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I did a, a bunch of stuff. You know, what I was doing towards the tail end, working in blockchain, right? Is we're really, you know, blockchain for those that may not be familiar, right? It's just a, a special kind of database, right? It's a special kind of way of recording data, right? And it's a way to record data where you can you don't have to rely on a single server, right? Usually, you know, someone's keeping the data in their server. You might have noticed, you know, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp were down yesterday. Right. That's because they're all kind of on one server. Right. So, you know, in in the context of the federal government, right, there is kind of a big uh, coordination problem that happens among different agencies where, you know, they may be doing things relevant to each other, either, you know, in in their business processes or, you know, course of their operations, their mission. And they have different databases. Right. so, So they may you know, a uh, easy example, right? So uh, with with the Postal Service, another agency I worked for, right, where they're sending packages all around the world um, and they have several partners, you know, Delta Airlines, American Airlines, United, and, you know, uh, hundreds of foreign posts, right, that need to get that mail and take it the last mile, um, including to, you know, different uh, military bases and destinations, right? Um, and so everyone is you know, interacting with these same sort of assets, the mail pieces, but they're all keeping their own set of data, right? And so this leads to big inefficiencies with coordination. And so that's a great, you know, example of a use case where what we would try and do, right, is come in and say, hey, you know, to all of these different parties, hey, you know, you're all using the same data. In effect, why don't we create a shared system uh, where there's not a central server, where we can all trust the data at all times, and it's basically a single source of truth, right? For in this case, where is mail in its chain of custody, right? Um, so that's an example of, you know, some of the things, you know, we were trying to build at IBM, these sort of cross-government, cross-organizational networks, right? Um, you know, to to kind of streamline business processes, cut out a lot of inefficiency. Um, sure, yeah, now, that makes sense. Yeah, it was much easier said than done. Um, and, you know, the government... Um, well, you know, COVID put a put a big kind of dent in things, particularly with the Postal Service work, because they woke up and realized, you know, the whole business was uh, FUBAR um, with, you know, nobody flying anymore and all this stuff. And they had no innovation budget. Um, but, you know, I think there's great. So, you know, when I'm talking about decentralized, right, I'm not saying we need to abolish the government. I'm saying we can make the government much, much more efficient, transparent and accountable Right. By using these types of shared systems, um, we can make it more resilient by, you know, taking it off single sorts of, uh, you know, single server types of infrastructure. 
Um, and, you know, I think that's really important. I think that's something that actually resonates with a lot of people, you know, when they, um, you know, when, when they actually stop and think about it, that, you know, we can, we can make uh, government services a lot more transparent and accountable by using this type of technology. Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I think you you just landed on as you wrap that statement up with kind of what I mean. I don't want to mis, misinterpret it, but it sounds as if that's kind of what some of your cause is now, right? I don't know if that's true or not, but some of what the purpose behind your work is is, uh, and right. in some cases, um, it's 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 efficiency, right? And that's the exact opposite of what you anticipate from a government services standpoint is efficiency. I mean, having spent almost you know, 10 years, a decade of my life or so um, in the Marine Corps and a bunch of my buddies, same same thing. Sometimes they go on to uh, government service after their current government service or time in the military. And it's, um, you know, there's a way that we've always done it. And that's why we're going to continue to do it that way, which is not necessarily the greatest answer whenever you talk about efficiencies and, and streamlining processes. It just doesn't work that way. It's not necessarily the best way to innovate. And if you look at... Um, I don't want to, again, mischaracterize, but a lot of the the special forces operation, or operators that are out there, uh, they don't think that way. They essentially go into these, these smaller groups. Uh, they get highly optimized because they're in execution mode all the time, but they're constantly learning. You know, they'll do after actions immediately after, and then they'll apply corrective action to whatever it was that they were doing, and they get better the next time around. And typically it's faster, or it's more efficient, or it's, it's stronger. Uh, and you want things to work that way, but it doesn't always work work that way. So talk real quick about, you know, working in an organization like IBM before you got into blockchain that potentially uh, maybe led you to some, some screw ups or, or some, some frustration, so to speak, from so many screw ups that led you to find blockchain. What, what was an example of some challenges that you ran into there? Yeah, well, there, I mean, there were all sorts of challenges at, at IBM, you know, it's a, it's a large, um, bureaucratic, you know, organization. And then to, you know, add on top of that, you know, I was working for federal government agencies that themselves had, let's say, challenges around that. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it was more frustrating than anything. Um, it was less like I felt like I kept screwing up and more just like, you know, this isn't moving at the pace I want. Um, but I can talk about screw ups, you know, in the context of, you know, my, my work now, which is on, you know, financial literacy and investing. And the reason, right, that, that I was saying you know, I pivoted to investing is a lot of people you know, uh, rightly, I think, you know, we're waking up to uh, crypto assets, right, as an investment class, and they have some really unique things about them that make them um, really, you know, palatable um, to a lot of people, especially, you know, people that want to kind of maintain more autonomy and sovereignty, you know, over their investments um, and control. I think that's great. Um, but, you know, when I first started doing it, when I was still at IBM, of course, you know, I, I got sort of lucky, right? I, I started investing in 2017 and this, we, we had kind of a massive run up in the market, you know, towards the end of that year. And I, you know, found myself having made, you know, three to four X, you know, what I had put in, in a very short period of time. Um, and how I screwed up was, you know, I fell into the trap that I, you know, almost every sort of new investor, right. Uh, kind of falls into which and even old and, you know, more experienced investors, which is just greed, and kind of not having a plan, right? And and so, you know, I didn't have any sort of plan beyond, you know, I want to be invested in this and hold it long term. Then I was greedy that, you know, even though I was up, you know, three, four X in a matter of months, you know, I, I had no experience kind of evaluating markets and investments and that kind of thing. And so 
I lost, you know, all of that money and even more over the next two years of the bear market, right? Because I was, uh, you know, still buying even, you know, at that point, um, like a lot of people. But what I did right was I stuck to it, you know, and I, you know, because I was really, you know, thoroughly obsessed with the space. Um, it was beyond just, you know, money. It was, it was, uh, you know, something I was really interested in. So I kept learning about it and I kept got, getting more confident and I, you know, more or less doubled down. Right. And, and that ended up uh, working out for me. Um, and I created, you know, an investment plan and I, you know, took the time to learn all these things and learn more about the industry. Shahar, let me um, ask you a so question. I, uh, yep. Before you get, before you get too far away from it, let's, let's bring it back to three to four X that three to four X return. Describe for me real quick. And for our listeners here, what is the emotion that you feel when you, when you <laughs> log into your dashboard for lack of a better, better term and see a three or four X return? D- can you describe your state of euphoria? Yeah. As euphoria, and it was more than that, you know, as every day, you know, you, you, for, you get up and the first thing you do is you look at your portfolio and you're up another, you know, 10% since you went to bed and, and it's just, you know, it's a it, dopamine rush, right? Um, and you think, you know, this, this is the best thing ever, you know, but then you go and uh, you look at something going up that maybe you weren't in and you're like, oh, that was so obvious. I should be in that, too. And then you um, and, and you kind of uh, you're in kind of just party mode. Right. And everyone around you, everyone else in the market is in this kind of same frame of mind. And so together you have this really strong group think right on like, you know, we're up only. Right. We're only going up. There's no, you know, the world is finding out about this incredible, you know, market and asset class is never going to be the same again. So then let's just hover for a second. Let's hover for a second over the uncomfortableness associated with loss. I mean, let's, I mean, because honestly, you, you want to make good decisions. You trust yourself to make good decisions, which is, you know, why you found those asset classes to begin with, right? And so this is Knucklehead Podcast. This is where we find ourselves even today right? In a inflationary type of posture, uh, whether you're in real estate or uh, in other asset classes that are probably giving some people some false indicators of hope, thinking that, okay, this is going to last for a certain period of time, where the inevitable intersection is what you're about ready to describe, and that is when loss happens. So what happens then, and how do you kind of calibrate your thinking to say, all right, listen, I got myself into this situation, I can get myself out. Talk about that yeah. real quick. Yeah, well, so if, if the first feeling is euphoria, the second feeling is pain, Right. Um, when you 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 see it all sort of going away and you have this uh, you have this this uh, feeling like, oh, you know, this is just another dip. It's going to go back up. And you keep telling yourself that as you watch, you know, all of your all of your gains uh, disappear. Right. And and then some. And so, uh, yeah, you know, and, and I've always been someone that I actually get very motivated by that kind of thing. Um, I think a lot of people are like that as well. Uh, so for me, that pain um, over two years, um, is what drove me, you know, to try and get better, right. And not have that happen again. Right. And so I, you know, devoured books on investing. I watched hours and hours of YouTube videos. I kept doing research in the space. I started working at IBM, you know, at blockchain. I got even more exposure to the industry. I met other people. I went to conferences. I just kept learning and learning. Um, and the more I learned, the more I realized, you know, that, um, yes, you know, 2017 what got out of hand and it was a bubble. And in hindsight, you know, it, it seems very obvious. Even at the time, you know, I sort of knew it was a bubble. Like it had gone up too fast, even having little experience. But I didn't, I couldn't execute. I couldn't bring myself to, you know, 
be out, right? Or to, or to sell, right? But, you know, I, I went back to the drawing board and, you know, and it was still difficult, you know, for many years up until 2020, you know, we had that crash in 2020, um, the COVID crash, right? That, that hit everything. And I watched, you know, I was just kind of starting to get back to honestly to like break even, right? Um, you know, the, the markets were kind of like grinding higher. And then in a day, you know, it goes down 40%, right? Um, and you see that kind of thing. And again, you like feel this sort of like emptiness. And, you know, all I had at that point was my conviction and the work that I had done. Um, and thankfully, right, I decided, you know, I stuck to it. I, I realized then that, you know, I was going to go down with the ship if that's what it was going to be. Um, and I was in a position where, you know, that was a risk that I'd calculated, right, where, you know, I wasn't on leverage, right? I wasn't on, you know, mortgage my house, right? I didn't have a house. I didn't have any dependents, right? Uh, I was a single guy, right? Or I had, you know, a girlfriend at the time who, who you know, thought I was crazy, you know, but it, it, that was a risk. You <laughs> Which know, is I, always I, the easiest posture to be in, right? You know, the it's, always, it's always a good position to be in. Well, I was talking about relationships, right? Just just to have that level of support going, oh yeah, well, you're you're nuts. You're losing all of this. And you're like, no, no, no. You just don't see it. It's not there yet. You, you gotta, you oh, gotta right. be patient Super here, easy. sweetie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's the exact opposite <laughs> of that. So no, um, I appreciate you going into it because it's it's difficult to hear. And I'm I don't know if you've gone through this process where you've you've you know recanted back to you kind of what you've learned through that process. It sounds as if you have multiple times and Created well, some really was, some, yeah some good safeguards. Go I'll say that, you know that that was the critical moment. I think you know because it, it would have been easy for me to throw in the towel there. You know that's what everyone was kind of doing, and there was Tough this kind of notion. You know this Tough is the to end, right? Um, and yep. I fell back on you know the work that I had done and the fact that and also the fact you know, that this is this is what I knew. This is all I knew. You know I wasn't going to have any better luck in the stock market. I, I knew this industry much better. Um, and the fact that I had a plan, right? So, so the fact that I had made a plan, taken the calculated risk of saying, okay, you know, I'm going to bet the first six, seven years of my income, you know, on this. And if I'm wrong, you know, I keep working fine. If I'm right, you know, I retire 30 years early. Right. So, um, you know, and, and so having thought that through, you know, done the plan, something that I hadn't done in 2017, right. Um, allowed me to, kind of stay the course. Um, and that then allowed me to, you know, um, focus more on, on education, um, and stuff that I like and investing, um, uh, you know, here and today. Um, and it, it's, you know, and I'm very happy I get to research, you know, new things going on in this industry and participate in them and use different apps. The industry's moving a million miles a minute. Um, and I know how it feels, you know, people that want to get started, you know, it's an incredibly complex industry and the stakes are high, right? Because you can make a mistake, you know, send your crypto to the wrong address and it's gone, right? Um, yep. So it can feel for people like, you know, you're standing over like a bottomless pit, you know, a whirlpool and you look down and you can't see the bottom, right? And and um, and I've been there and I've messed it up um, and I've come out of it. And so, you know, what I've been trying to do over the past couple of months is create content, you know, some of it free, some of it uh, more in depth uh, that, that you can buy, you know, to help people on that journey. Right. And, you know, it's never going to be perfect. You know, there's there's no substitute for your own personal experience, um, as you know, I'm sure very familiar on this podcast. Right. Oh, sure. um, but, you know, if I can help people avoid, you know, uh, 
a single, you know, $10,000 mistake or more, right? It, more than, you know, more than paid for itself, right? Um, and at the same time, I can give people, you know, familiarity with this industry that I do believe is going to be the future in, in many, many ways uh, of technology and society and finance. So let's talk, let's talk real quick and let's land the plane maybe on this. When it comes to that, uh, that persona that you just identified, right? So somebody who's, who's, uh, you know, on Twitter and they're seeing this, this acronym for non-fungible tokens coming out or, or they, you know, they maybe have a, uh, you know, a, a Robinhood app and they feel as if they're in the crypto space and they're diversified because they've got 10% of their portfolio on Robinhood in these crypto stocks, as opposed to maybe, you know, somebody who's well-versed in, in how to have like an actual uh, hard wallet or they have, you know, all the things that you've experienced over the course of your time, help people four years from now, go back to today and say, hey, listen, here's the things that you're going to want to avoid. And oh, by the way, you're going to want to ignore this person or this. What are, what are some things that they can do? And then what should they ignore? You know, if you're talking to somebody four years from now, if you could give them some instructions for today. Well, you, you have to, yeah, you, you don't want to ignore people because, they're, you know, you can always get good ideas. But you do want to, the, the most important thing I would say, and something that I learned the hard way as well, is you cannot substitute someone else's conviction for your own when it comes to investing, right? Because if you do that, you know, if you see someone on Twitter say XYZ coin, you know, is going to the moon and maybe they even write out a really good explanation, right, on why. Um, and then you go and buy it. But you know what? Um, you might have read that, but if that's all that you did, right, you are relying on them, right? You've kind of substituted their conviction and their research for your own. And what really, you know, really you don't have that level of conviction because you don't know who this person is, right? And you haven't double checked their research, right? So when, and what happens inevitably, right, is is when the going gets tough, right? Say the asset starts going down, um, you are going to panic, right? You're, you're going to be, or if you don't panic, you're going to be uncomfortable, right? You're going to be stressed out because you haven't done the work, right? And you're, now you're thinking, wait, you know, I relied on this guy, but who, you know, was he even right? Was it, so you have to go, there's no substitute, right, for doing the work yourself. And it's fine. It's actually great to get ideas from other people on Twitter or otherwise, but you cannot substitute doing the work yourself, learning about it um, and getting that if you're going to invest in it, right? Uh, because then let's, you know, take the other side. You say you do do the work, you know, you find the idea on Twitter, but then you do the work, you do the diligence, right? You form your own thesis on why do I want to hold this and where do I think it's going um, and why do I want to be invested in it? You have it. Then say the price goes down. That might be a situation where you go back, you reevaluate your thesis, right? You find it's still true and you go buy more, right? Because you, because you've realized, you know what, um, I'm, you know, I, I still want to be invested. I have the conviction. I'm not stressed out because I know what's going on. And, you know, maybe I can average down, right? I lower my cost basis. Um, and, you know, that's right. That's what all the real smart money did back in March 2020. I was honestly a little bit too scared to do that because I already had so much in it. Right. But you, you know, you go back, you reevaluate. I did do it to a degree, though. Right. Because I was thinking, you know, is, is it time to just cut my losses and move on, you know, with my life? I went back, you know, I did, you know, I, I re-looked at my thesis. I did all this stuff and, you know, I, I had done the work to be able and made the plan to be able to, um, you know, not do something regrettable in that situation. Right. Um, and, and so that's a big mistake people make 
you know, sometimes it's laziness. Sometimes, you know, it usually comes back to some form of, of laziness. We're all guilty of it from time to time is, you know, kind of trying to take the easy way, right? I mean, that's what it is. You're trying, you're, you're looking at someone else and you're saying, you know what, this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about. Um, I am willing to, you know, take a bet on it. So I'm going to do it. You know, it almost always leads to disaster, even yeah. in a case where yeah, something shortcuts. good happened, right? Say it starts going up, you know, you're probably a lot more likely to, you know, say sell too early, right? Because you have, again, you haven't formed the thesis. You don't really know what's going on. Right. So yeah, those go those goals that you that you talked about. What I mean, you can call them goals, thesis, uh, the objectives that you're trying to execute against. I, I think that it's a it's a really healthy thing to do to come back to it. You know, assess the market conditions, come back. You know, uh, this is not an, an investing podcast. However, it's kind of a kind of an investing podcast because it's like it's an in, investing in your mindset. You know, I interrupted you. Say that again. I said this, it's not financial advice. Yeah, exactly. It's not yeah, for all of our, our legal friends out there. No, we, we will put the disclaimer. This is not legal advice. This is just what we've learned sometimes painfully. So Shahar, I appreciate you taking some time and I, and I appreciate you also going down memory lane a little bit, giving some context as to how you've you know, been exposed to large bureaucratic, highly political organizations that have decision by committee, which, you know, it's very well intended in some cases, but tough to execute and optimize against um, if your goal isn't, you know, to be political, right? And I don't mean political like D- Democrat, Republican. I'm talking about political just in terms of posturing, you know, trying to present one thing and actually doing another. Right. It's, that's uh, that's kind of obnoxious in some cases when, you're, when your goal is to optimize or to increase transparency. You know what I mean? So yeah. with that being said, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? Let's just say uh, you touched on something that, you know, resonated with you. If you're a listener out there, what's the best way for somebody to connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. If you're, you know, interested in this whole crypto thing, um, but you don't want to just get caught up in the hype and um, and get stressed out and maybe do something stupid, but you want to, you know, take a serious look at investing the right way over the long term or medium term, then, you know, I have a lot of content uh, that, that you may be interested in. So the easiest way to find me is uh, roadtobabylon.org. That's kind of my education platform. Um I have, you know, I do articles every week, which are free. You can find there. You can sign up to my uh, newsletter on that website, uh, again, which is free, uh, where I share kind of my thoughts on the market and the industry uh, week to week um, as someone that is, you know, 100% focused on this. And then uh, if you really want to take a deep dive and learn more, um, I I released an online course that is live now. You can can get it. I haven't been doing much marketing for it, um, but it is there. You can find it uh, easily on the website and sign up. Um, you'll also get to join our uh, Discord group, uh, which is a fun you know, chat group community we have uh, made up of people here in Atlanta, my own industry contacts, and people that are you know, on a similar learning journey uh, doing the course. And you know, that's a great kind of support group where we talk all the time. You can ask any questions you want. And you know, I really want to help onboard people right into this space. I think it's an amazing opportunity. I think it's going to be really, really important um, for not just for, you know, your personal finance, but for society and for governance uh, going forward. That could be a whole nother podcast that we do. But um, yeah, so check out roadtobabylon.org. Uh, look around um, and check out the course if you're interested. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter um, at Shahar Abrams. Very cool. Very cool. There's there you go. So there's two or three different, I would say, action items coming out of today's podcast that Shahar kind of left you with there. One in particular is if you touched on maybe a principle or a thought process or something, my challenge to you is to go go 
go engage with them. Um, you know, maybe uh, go to what you, is, is it road to babylon.org? Is that is that what you said? That's right. Yep. Okay. So road, road to Babylon. To Babylon. Road to Babylon.org. Babylon. I named it that, by the way, after uh, uh, one of my favorite personal finance books called The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a, an excellent book, classic. It was written, you know, 100 years ago almost. And, you know, the principles it outlines are still super relevant. Isn't that amazing? You know, just timeless principles like that that you can apply yeah, that's regardless how of work. Turns that's out stuff. if it's a, if it's a good principle, that, that's how it works. Habit of going to the extra mile. The list goes on and on and on in terms of those success principles that exist out there. So, Shahar, I appreciate you taking some time. For those of you who like listening, not go ahead and listen. We we strive to bring you not just our examples, but examples of folks who are in our extended network uh, tangentially. And if you're out there and you have a, sh- a story that you feel as if would resonate, I mean, it was probably painful to go through that experience uh, for Shahar, right? He talked about uh, one of the uh, personal relationships where <laughs> it can get a little contentious, like where somebody's telling him he's crazy. It happens, especially if you care about that person and they care about you. It can, it can uh, high volume conversations will ensue. So I say all that to say that my challenge to you is to, is to reach out and connect with us. We'd love to, to chat with you a little bit about you know what you're doing how you're doing it and how that screw up, how that mistake actually led to the success that you see. Shahar is a, is a byproduct now of the lessons he learned and gleaned from that 2017 incident, right? That 2020 market conditions have put him in a position where he's, you know, he's willing to share and wants to share with his, uh, you know, with folks that are out there and the things that he's screwed up or messed up or learned from along the way. So anyway, Shahar, I appreciate you taking some time. Thank you for going over uh, on time. Anything else that you want to leave these folks with? Any last, uh, what I call saved rounds? Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid of risk. And you have, you've listened to this podcast a lot. You probably heard lots of stories of people that have t- taken risks that haven't worked out. But what's important is, you know, growing from it, you know, of course, right? The only, the only failure is one you don't learn from. Yeah, that's, uh, we call that get some wins, right? So don't be a beta about the process. It's kind of a tongue-in-cheek way of saying, hey, listen, you're going to get slapped upside the head. You're probably going to end up with a bloody nose, especially if you go out there and take a risk. Just realize you're not made of glass. Most of the time, most of the time, most every time you're going to come back stronger having, after having learned from it. You got to get yourself some small wins, though, because that momentum is critical to, for you to develop that inertia that you're going to have because you're going to have to push that rock uphill for a while. It, trust me, it's there's no overnight things <laughs> that don't go away overnight either. So anyway, Shahar, I appreciate you taking some time. Again, those of you who, uh, who like listening to Knucklehead, we strive to bring you new episodes every Tuesday. And if you haven't already subscribed, go ahead, leave us a rate and review. And I challenge you to go connect with Shahar after this. So for everybody else out there, appreciate y'all. Have a good rest of the day. See ya.